Good, good morning. Um, so we're finally here, fourth Sunday in Advent. Um, the schools have all broken up, so I think it's officially Christmas now. Um, and you know, we've we've probably all made plans and ambitions and hopes for our Christmas. And I was thinking how quickly things can change. You know, with uh, whether it's our children's behaviour or illness or all sorts of things outside of our control. Sometimes. Um, Christmas can end up not exactly the way we imagine it. But um, through the manicness, we've been trying to make space for God, spend time on his presence, and reflect on his coming. Elaine encouraged us at the start of Advent just to, to say to God, come before him, just say, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. And that Advent theme has just been to make ourselves available to God. I don't know how well you've managed to do that this year. Um, I found it a real challenge to carve out those slots, um, to spend time with him and to try and avoid all the many distractions going on. But certainly when we have had those times of really just being before God, he's, he's spoken to us and been there with us. So this morning I'm hoping that we can build on that theme uh, reflecting on the significance of Jesus' birth and how it has paved the way for us to come home to our Father God. We're going to be looking at coming home. So for those of you who don't know, um, I'm a teacher in the junior school and we've recently been using Christmas adverts to inspire some of our writing. Um, it seemed like quite a good idea until we, I sort of was there at the front showing all these Christmas adverts and they're, they're sort of all quite tired and emotional and all these sort of uh, emotional adverts come on and you're sort of there like trying to hold it together like, number two, let's get on with this. Are you crying, Mr. Noble? No, it's just something in, the, something in my eye. <laughs> but um, a, a theme of a lot of these adverts is about coming home, coming back together, um, coming to be with your family. Um, we see that Heathrow Airport advertising people coming home to their family, being reunited. Sainsbury's coming home to a warm meal and quality time with your family. Everyone wants to be there coming home. So I thought I'd show one of these um, videos with you this morning. Uh, you may have seen it, it's quite popular on with Edgar the Dragon. So let's have a look at that one together. Are you going to cry? <laughs> Thank you. So for any of you that struggle to see the, the screen and follow it, um, the video contained a small, very cute dragon, but a fire-breathing dragon, that when he saw uh, children building snowman, he wanted to join in and put a, a carrot nose on, but he accidentally melts it with his fire. He then wants to join in with the ice skating, gets into the rink, melts the ice, ruins it and soaks the children. Um, and then finally, when he gets to see the Christmas trees and decorations, he's desperately trying not to let any fire goes off, but it ends up coming out of his ears, running down the decorations, burning the tree down, and he's, he feels like an outcast. He locks himself away until a little girl still sees the good in him, goes to him with a, a little gift, and then takes him to the public banquet with everyone there. And everyone hides for fear that he will ruin this banquet, but he uh, uses his fire to set the Christmas pudding alight very uh, carefully, and, and everyone cheers and loves Edgar again. So there's kind of a, a happy ending at the end of it. 
But for many of us, we do feel that oh, sense of emotion watching these things. And I kind of think, well, why, why is that? We all know there's no such thing as fire-breathing dragons. Well, why would we feel any connection with this animated creation? But I think what maybe what it is, is we all know what it's like to be Edgar. We, we know what it's like to be um, desperate to be in the in-crown, to be loved and to be popular. We all want to be accepted. And it reminds me a bit of when I was a teenager uh, and I was desperate to fit in with all my friends and peers around me. I went from a a primary school to my secondary school as the only one that that went there. So I didn't know anyone at all when I started, and I obviously wanted to make a good impression. Now, at the time, anyone in London would go from sort of more central areas of London out to the outskirts of London. And if you were on the outskirts, you'd probably go outside of London to school. However, we, think, we did things a bit differently. So I lived in the outskirts of London, but travelled into London um, to be at a school there, uh, to be with all the inner city kids. And the school that um, started with quite a good reputation uh, before I was there quite quickly was sort of going in a slightly different direction. But... Um, it was quite a challenge for me to feel like I wanted to fit in with everyone else in the school. And, um, you know, I tried to find a group of people that I might kind of belong with um, and not get beaten up every day. Um, So I found a kind of group of people who were kind of into the indie Britpop scene of the 90s. Um, Tried to, you know, listen to all the right CDs. Um, And, you know, I'd come up from primary school you know, wearing shell suits and uh, Clark's trainers, but um, quite realised that to fit in, I felt like I had to, to dress differently and to be someone else. So I'd sort of go, go around with friends, around the charity shops in Camden, looking for some second-hand jeans that were cool, um, but probably never really quite pulled the look off. Uh, one year I went to the Greenbelt Festival and found this army surplus stall, which I thought, yeah, this is going to be really cool. So um, I bought an army shoe and some, some boots, which were just massive. They were way too big for me. But I thought, oh, this will, this will be all right. I'm sure a few pairs of socks and I'll be all right. Um, and, I th- you know, in this way that you do when you're young, you think, oh, I know a way to make these boots even cooler. Yeah, spray them silver. Yeah. So, you know, I, was, I went out my new look thinking, yeah, people are going to think I'm really cool and be impressed by this. But, of course, as soon as they saw me, my moon boots and... Uh, army clothes were was sort of the, the joke of the town really and uh, people were questioning my political allegiances after I was going around with a German army shirt on and wondering about my Jewish heritage and all sorts of things so it was maybe not the best look I could have pulled off um, and really I would have been much more comfortable just keeping my uh, joggers on and a, and a soft jumper and just feeling like I could be myself but I felt that if I did that, they wouldn't want to be my friend or to spend time with me or would just take the mick. Um, I didn't really want them to get too close to find out, find out what I was really like because if they did, they might not be interested anymore. And after um, school and college, I did feel a bit more relaxed in myself, wearing things that I felt more comfortable with. Uh, and I didn't feel that what I wore defined my identity and who I was in the same way. But perhaps as adults, we can still harbour some of these insecurities. They might look a bit different, but um, we can still feel like we want to fit in and do things that will make us accepted. It might be watching the you know, latest series on ITV or Netflix um, so that we can be part of those conversations at work about 
Um, whether it's who's in or out on Love Island or something slightly less trashy, um, we can feel like you know we have this FOMO, the fear of missing out, which can kind of define our lives, that we don't want to be the ones who don't know what's going on. And um, at this time of year, I know we can spend hours of our time wrapping up gifts. And when I say I can spend hours of time, what I mean is my wife can spend hours of time <laughs> wrapping up gifts. And... Um, You know, on the back of some of this gift wrap, you get these grid lines, don't you? That just show you how to do it. Uh, For some reason, though, they never seem to work. And and they send Sarah crazy having to stick to these grid lines. You can end up spending more time trying to stick to the lines on the page than actually, you know, focusing on the gift and making that look good. And I think sometimes life can become a bit like... um, a bit like that, you're kind of feeling like you've got to stick to the grid lines. You've got to live to other people's expectations. You've got to um, work your way up the career ladder. You've got to make your kids do this, that and the other. And your house has got to look a certain way. You've got to fit in with the grid lines of our society. Um, when I was on, on a school trip um, earlier this year, I met a, a man who said, um, he's talking about his career and he's saying, well, I've been, I've been told I should go for you know, going on to be a head teacher, so I've just got to do it. I said, well, you don't have to do it, it's your choice, but, you know, we can often feel like we have to take the promotion or work our way up, and it's kind of beyond our control, it would be rude not to, whereas, in fact, um, we're not defined by other people's expectations. And our lives can be marked out by grids, and that they could be grids of the schools we go to, university, getting the right job, the right partner, looking in the right way, the right friends, having our children behave in a certain way, the perfect home, the perfect car, and so on and so on. And it becomes quite exhausting to have to feel we've got to constantly live up to these expectations. And the Jesus way is off-grid. It's following him wherever he leads. In Romans 12, verse 2, it tells us, do not to conform to the pattern of this world, um, not to live in the same way that others around us live. And it's an incredibly hard uh, message to manage every day, to not join in with the moaning, the gossip, and to be someone that genuinely puts other people first. In those day-to-day small decisions, <clears throat> is something that's really hard to do. But Jesus himself lived very differently. He didn't operate in the same way as other rabbis. He wasn't bound by their rules, how he should do things. But he followed his father in every decision he made. We're made in the image of a limitless God, and we can often feel distant and removed from God. We can feel insignificant, and though we're really not made in the image of God, we might think other people are, but we can feel a bit like a a misfit. But the message of Jesus tells us that God came down to earth to save me. And we think, oh, surely not me. Maybe other Christians, ones that have it together, that don't lose it with their kids. Um, Surely not me. But what if we did believe that, that Jesus did come for people like me who mess up all the time, who are trying to hold it all together and then it suddenly falls apart and unravels, that Jesus came into our mess? Rose is going to read to us now a passage about Jesus coming to earth. So this is John 1, verse 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. 
and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thanks, Ro. So Jesus came to bring hope to the hopeless, wholeness to the broken, and light in the darkness. But it was through a baby. And there was nothing significant looking about this baby that would have made him stand out. If we went to the Royal Surrey and looked at all the babies, they might look a bit different, but none of them would really look more special or significant than any others. So we're judged at the end of our lives and not at the beginning. If we'd walked into a hospital on the 7th of November in 1918 and met a baby called Billy, he would look no different to any other baby. It's just a normal baby. But the significance of a birth is defined not during their life, not at their birth, but during their life and at the end of their life. Baby Billy, of course, went on to become Billy Graham, possibly the greatest evangelist of of his time. And nothing would have stood out to him if you just met him as a crying baby. On August the 26th in 1910, baby Agnes was born. Baby Agnes went on to become Mother Teresa, who ran orphanages and looked after thousands of children and babies in Calcutta. The births are now significant because of who these people become, what they did during their lifetime. Jesus was born to an unmarried teenage mum who was shrouded in questions, born in around farm animals in a dirty, dark stable. However, there were some who could see there was something different about him. We knew that Herod at the time wanted to kill all the babies to eliminate Jesus. He, he became a refugee on the run um, and fleeing for safety. But Emmanuel, God is with us. We often miss the significance um, when we know the end of the story. But to, to have looked at Jesus as a baby in his, in his physical nature, there would have been nothing special about that baby to look at him. Uh, that would have made you know that he would have been the person to change the world. And it was only the revelation of God that brought shepherds and magi to visit him. In, in John 1.14 it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You could hold God in your hands, vulnerable and unable to care for himself. God comes close. 
And this God came for relationship, not coming on the clouds in a chariot, not with flashing lights and earthquakes, but through a tiny, helpless baby. A baby that would have just appeared the same as any other. Well, sometimes we think of God as being distant and judging us for all the things we do wrong. But Christmas tells us that God wants to come close to us. He left the comfort of heaven to be with us. And when God calls us close, there's no place to hide. We can't pretend we're part of a cool scene that we're, when we're really not. He knows, you know, we'd rather be in our joggers or whatever it would be for us. And Christmas is amazing because it's not uh, where we're meant to remain. The climax of Jesus' life is his death on the cross and the resurrection. Uh, Jesus, God sent Jesus to our home so that we could join him in his home. God sent Jesus to our home so that we could be with him in his home. Jesus came to give us joy. And the joy of knowing God and being known by God now, you might be going through a bit of a tough time at the moment and, and feel really down with all the circumstances you're going through. But the joy of knowing God is still available. That joy transcends all of those feelings and circumstances we may face. So let's not spend time this Christmas um, just trying to fit in with everyone else and what, what we should feel like we should be doing. Um, more than coming to home to our family, let's um, come home to Jesus. Let's spend time in his joy. Emmanuel, God is with us. Come home to your heavenly father who sent Jesus down to this broken world for you. So let's keep in mind that thought of coming home to Jesus, of being with him, Emmanuel, in the baby. And as we continue to worship, you might want to bring to God anything that you feel like you've been holding on to, any expectations that you've put on yourself or other people have put on you, and let them go and just be with Jesus.